Debussy. Claude Debussy. Would he be something that the little women would have listened to? No. Yeah. yeah wait, maybe? No. Was he mid-century or late No, because Paul is like in the Civil War, right? That's where he was? Y- yes. So yes, he's... He in... No. That, he wasn't around yet. Well, are you, are you sure? Because the, ro- the Romantics were working in the 1860s, weren't they? The New Romantics? Oh, God. <laughs> it all comes back, doesn't it? <laughs> Everything has to yeah, come back to Taylor. Yeah, I remember Taylor Swift was in Little Women. <laughs> Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is Home Viewing. Yeah. Oh, Boy, I messed it up on that one too, didn't I? <laughs> it's a podcast where we do what? Talk about movies. In in, in what our o- house. In it, what from order? A to Z. Yes, exactly. We watch all the movies that we own in alphabetical order, be they on Blu-ray or DVD. Or digital copy. Most of them we watch on a digital copy that we got with the Blu-ray. Because who needs discs? I mean, the ones that we don't have a digital copy for. Those are the ones that we need discs for. Wow. We have to be very specific. We have to be specific, and we have to make sure that our prose is clear, and that we're telling good stories, sometimes scandalous stories, but if there's a woman, she has to be married by the end of it. (laughs) What did we watch this week? Little Women. Greta Gerwig's second directorial the feature. 1994 classic with nope. christian bale no uh, i'm surprised you went to christian bale first and winona Ryder. yeah i'm still surprised that you haven't mentioned kirsten dunst yet mm, she's the annoying character though do not slander amy like that <laughs> no uh she was okay florence Pugh really turned this role around i'll say <laughs> i think well, I mean, I think it's because there are two different women cast as Amy in the 94 version. And Florence Pugh is much older than Kirsten Dunst was. Yes. And brought, you know, all the experience that she's gained everywhere. Florence Pugh, she works. I'll watch anything she's in. Evidenced by the fact that I watched the WWE produced movie Fighting With My Family. Yeah, I haven't seen and that. And actually really enjoyed it. Okay. I, I did. I did. Florence Pugh in a black wig? Pretty good. Pretty good. We also have Timothée. Chalamet. We have Emma Watson, who apparently, because she's such a feminist, refused to wear a corset on the set of this movie, even though corsets weren't actually the tool of repression that literature and movies want us to believe that they were. But I'm not gonna go ahead and say that most people in the Civil War didn't wear corsets, really. Uh, no, corsets really? were accurate for the time period, which is which apparently made costuming for this movie pretty difficult because Emma Watson refused to wear mm. one. <laughs> uh, and your mom, my mom, Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. 
and America's dad, Bob wow. Odenkirk. How embarrassing if my real mom ever listens to this. <laughs> Boy. I don't think we have to worry about that. Sorry. I don't think... Love you, mom. Either of our parents... We can pretend. I don't think any of it's them are going It's time gonna... to pretend. <laughs> oh, no. I just thought of that horrible song the horrible that you listened to. and James <laughs> Arthur song. Who? Seagala? I don't know how you pronounce this. Seagala. S-I-G-A-L-A. Sigla. Sigala? Sigla. Is it supposed Ooh, to be like... like Siggies. I wonder if it's supposed to be like the Spanish word for Norway lobster. How do, how do the, um, the, the Gilberts pronounce it? Oh. Sigis? God. <laughs> Damn, Yankees. It's got an apostrophe. It's not all one word. It's pretty clearly Siggies. Siggies. Listen, you just you just gotta let it be. You just gotta let it lay. I there. listen to enough uh, Icelandic rock. It's fine. We ate a really big dinner. What does that have to do with little women? I'm well. I'm just saying the energy that we're bringing to this podcast is like meat sleep energy a little bit, or at least that's the that's energy that I'm bringing. personally yeah. bringing to this podcast. The energy that I'm also bringing to this podcast is I was sick for like six days straight. And that's why we didn't get this episode out when it was supposed to come out. Whoops. Uh-oh. Sorry. Yeah. So here we are. I think at this point, two weeks after having seen this movie. Yep. Yep. So this is going to be one of those episodes. We remember it crystal which, clear. Which our, re- our regular listeners, I'm sure, I, I'm sure Mike, Daniel, and Sarah probably are all used to the episodes where we haven't seen the movie for a while at this point. So, without further ado, Little Women. We haven't even mentioned Shersha yet. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Shame on us. And the actress who was in um, the Amy Adams miniseries Sharp Objects, who played Beth. She yeah, played- she's creepy in this, too. She's not creepy. She's just kind of I just sad. look at her and I'm like, you're creepy. You just, well, it's because you associate her with, like, pulling teeth out of teenage girls. There's something else she was in, though, recently, and I was like, you're still weird. You sure? Yeah. What was it? I wonder I what know. it was. I don't know. She looks kind of similar and much like, and, and is also from Australia to the, like, the girl who plays Starlight in, um, in the Amazon, wait, no, she's what? not from Australia, she's American. I get them confused. What are you talking about? Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking up actresses right now. So I'm saying that the girl who plays Amy in Little Women mm-hmm. looks similar to the woman who plays Starlight in The Boys. No. They have a similar no. look. They have a similar look. The girl who plays Starlight is definitely much older. Well, yes, yes. But this one is from New Zealand. Huh. Not New Zealand, Australia. I'm I'm in a place tonight. Alright, well. <laughs> I really like the way a little woman starts. Really, do you? Yeah. Even I don't I okay, I don't really remember a lot about the one from nineteen ninety four. Well I I, I remember. But I don't that think it just, it's asynchronous like this. No, yeah, no, it was just completely narrative. It it, it was like a completely like linear narrative. Yeah. Whereas this is a non absolutely non linear. It starts like basically what we would think of as at the end of the book, essentially. Mm-hmm. With Joe living in New York City, pitching 
Oh, pitching a story like dressed up in in men's clothes, pitching a uh, an adventure story that her friend wrote <laughs> to Tracy Let. Which oh, I love this. I love that it's Tracy Letts playing the publishing house guy because Cher's is playing Joe, and they had that very warm relationship in Ladybird, Shersha and Tracy Letts. Mm-hmm. So they get to do the exact opposite in this one, and it's very tongue in cheek, very fun with the Gerwig players. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Greta likes to use yeah. some, some I mean, same people. Re- recycled from from the last movie, we have Shersha, we have Tracy, and we have Timote. And it's it's wonderful. It's just a, a delight. Wonderfully splendid. Wait. Perfectly splendid. <laughs> <laughs> um, It breaks up the, the novel. So... We, we talk about it as non-linear, and it is a little bit. It's circular. It's it's uses the back half of the novel as a framing narrative for the front yeah, half of the novel. Yeah, it's like if you bent the book, mm-hmm. you read the last few pages, and then you start with the beginning. I would actually be really interested to see an edit of the book to match the screenplay. Well, you'd have to add some words, because you can't just... Not necessarily. No? I think you would just break up chapters. So, like, I think you would... No one would be... You could just pick up the book and do that yourself. No you one needs to do that. You could if you wanted to. I want to. Well, I mean, I don't want to. You I... don't own Little Women? Well, regardless, it uses this narrative of Joe coming home to take care of Beth from New York as a chance for her to reflect on her, on her past. And that's when we start to see the linear narrative evolving. Starting from, well, essentially, where it starts in the book. Well, you know what this movie does that the other one doesn't? What? So, this one is about Joe's, like, life and development, where the other one is kind of more about Joe finding her love story, in a way. Because, like, she ends up with the, go- the the foreign guy, and yeah. then they just kind of, like... Friedrich. Yeah. Is that his name? I th- it's either Friedrich or Frederick. He's hot in this one. He's, yeah, he's way better looking in this one. <laughs> no, because it was like some older guy, like yeah. middle-aged. Which, which is probably mm, true to the story. But at the same time, like, I lo- I, I liked like the rewrite of him as like a young immigrant. And I loved all the like stuff that wasn't in the book that we saw. Like her at like the, uh, at the play and then at the uh, public house. Yeah. The dance. Like we saw all these slices of their lives that as they would have been at the time. I think mm-hmm. that maybe we didn't see in the novel that worked out. Very nicely, I thought. Uh, and it this one really emphasized, like, Joe as Louisa May Alcott self-insert. Or, I guess, yeah. in a way, Greta Gerwig self-insert <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> um, I And I loved it. I love it a lot. There's, I mean, what what are the things that you think we need to talk about for this? Because... We've talked about the framing narrative and like it does it does this thing where like the shots are stitched together almost perfectly. Like she falls asleep on the train and then we go back to like the first night that she met Lori at the at the ball. Mm-hmm. And like and then when the night ends, she wakes up on the train. Yeah, every every transition has a purpose. Exactly. And like when she's walking back into town from the train, she sees the sign and then it transitions to the scene of them walking through the town taking 
taking Amy to school, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't even mention Meryl. As Aunt March. God! Stacked this movie! You know, this whole time I've been thinking, if I was going to self-insert myself, or historically where I've self-inserted myself is definitely Amy. But now <laughs> I'm thinking, Aunt March. Aunt March? Old, single, rich. <laughs> what a good place to be, though, right? Uh. Except she was so, so mean. But, like, maybe in a loving way? She got to go to Paris. I mean, that's baller. I don't know. I th- Which girl would you be? <laughs> Which girl would I be? I always wanted to be Joe, and you know that. You know I'm, I've always been a main that's character. That's true. <laughs> but, like, I can see you already be Amy, because of course you want to go to Paris. Like, yeah. And, like, learn to... Dr- I like the arts. And I wanted to go to New York. Except, I guess I was quiet, like Beth, but I didn't want to die. I didn't want to be that. No one wanted to be Beth. No, no one wants to be no Beth. No one wants to die. Even though arguably Beth is, is the best of them. Like she's she's okay. charitable. She's we all say that diligent. But perhaps that's the problem. <laughs> I think you need a little bit of selfishness in life. So there's an argument to be had for the reason the march it, the marches were in such a problematic position is because their father was not selfish. There's an argument to be made because he was, like, that I have seen made because her father dedicated so much of his time to helping the community and helping others rather than making sure that his family was in a good position. That's why. Mm -hmm. Of course, their family would have been in a comfortable position no matter what. They were still wealthy relative to, say, the Hummels. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Devastating. Very pastoral. Hmm. Ooh, um, in the saddest sense the saddest possible sense yes i also like that it didn't shy away from america as a young country like it as as a young country like still finding its yeah feet like and like teen puppy years <laughs> i wish you could see my face right now dear listeners but it but especially like with especially with regard to like the immigrant communities they're just the little the little bits and pieces i saw of that i really loved especially i keep coming back to the public house scene which is like <laughs> 30 seconds in the in the grand scheme of the movie but i think it says a lot about like the ethos of the movie which is like they're growing up as america is growing up you know like they're and they're forced to contend with like these different levels of social class because they have like one foot in like the debutante high society side yeah, and one foot in the quite... poor side yeah. yeah yeah and there's talk about like being an accomplished woman like like in, in an austin novel or something like that with like you have like aunt marches like austin but then you also have like i don't want to say like mark twain or anything but at the same time it's still like that same period and that same even if it is in New England rather than in Missouri or Missouri, Missouri, uh, or Missis or along like the Mississippi Delta or anything like that, and it's it's interesting to see the clash the clashes of those ideologies happening because you have Mister March or Reverend March, whatever whatever <laughs> it is you would call March. him, and. <laughs> Who's like 
100% like charitable abolitionist. And then you have Marmy who's like angry and angry and liberal and like charitable, but like maybe not to the extent of her husband, maybe more pragmatic and like having Laura Dern for that role. You never see their dad in this one. Yes, you do. You see oh, you him do? at the end. Bob Odenkirk shows up for, shows up on Christmas. Oh, he does? Yes. He shows up on Christmas and then he marries, he marries, um. Meg? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was awake and conscious for that part. <laughs> I sure was. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> what I love are the edits of that were like, because you don't see him until that Christmas scene. Yeah, let's see so him in the other pla- movie. Yeah, so you don't know who plays him. And then I remember being surprised to see Bob Odenkirk showing up in the theater. <laughs> but yeah, I, there who was is a- Bob Odenkirk? He's he's Bob Odenkirk. Like, well, I mean, he was on Breaking Bad, uh, Mr. Show. I've never seen those he's like, things. No- I know, but he's known for, like, comedy, especially. Like, he's Fargo? he's been in, like, yeah, Fargo. He was the, uh, the guy who got appointed chief instead of Molly, who, when it should have been Molly. The guy who had seniority over her, over her and who was like, oh, I've known Lester since we were boys. He Locked couldn't have done nothing out. like this. Didn't like him. But, you see, he's, he's, like, he's got a very, like, charming air to, comedy air to him, like. He he's he feels like your cool uncle or something like that, in a way. I don't know. There's an edit that I've seen on the internet of the scene where everyone like goes crazy and starts cheering when Cap lifts picks up the hammer, or maybe it was like, or maybe it was the, one of those scenes where everyone's like, no way, and then just go, the crowd goes wild when people were watching Endgame. Anyway, they edited that over Bob Odenkirk showing up at Christmas, and it's it's actually excellent. It's, it's actually yeah perfect. that made sense glad we're all on the same page Listen, here. let me talk about film twitter in peace no let me twitter. talk about the memes that i've seen karen han share in <laughs> peace do i want to be karen han maybe maybe do you want to be everyone that's related adjacent to films on twitter maybe to film and or video game mm-hmm. journalism yes <laughs> And or music journalism. Just, just, just. I want to be halfway between. Well, a third, I guess a third of the way between. Because there's three people. Kieran Gill and Karen Hahn and Brian David Gilbert. So like. Yeah. Okay. Easy. Okay. Simple. Yeah, simple. <laughs> sure. Okay. So I think maybe the best approach is for us to just talk about the sisters. Oh individually. Boy. Oh boy. So we've kind of already gotten Joe, right? Well... Writes a lot. That That's not her personality. Doesn't though. really like to take naps. That's um, not her person... What do you mean doesn't yeah. really like to take naps? She what wrote is... all through, like, the winter or whatever. Mm. That, mo- that one montage? Yes. Um, but Joe is the most head... Well... I want to say Joe is... Yeah, she is the most headstrong of the sisters. She wants to travel, but her writing is really the most important. She's the one who... She is dedicated so much to making her own way in the world and not, like, Mm -hmm. taking the support of others and not settling. I think that's the biggest thing for her is that she refuses to settle. I know those people. Whether or not it's, whether or not it's, like, for society's rules or for what's expected of her or for just what's easiest for her. Like, yeah. <laughs> has to take the hard way every time exactly exactly and i think that's really like 
epitomized in the scene where she turns Lori down, you know? Yeah. Um, played well, brilliantly by Timothy Chalamet. I mean, also kind of clear that she... Did not see him that Yeah, way. yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And I think... I don't know. She's... I mean, she's basically Ladybird if we really want to yeah. get... She's, she's Ladybird if she had a good relationship with her mother. Oof. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And sisters, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Amy is the youngest... And boy, boy, does she know it. <laughs> She's like, ain't I a stinker? Basically, <laughs> Pretty much. For the first half of the movie. She's she's very jealous of Joe, I think, and of the attention yeah. that Joe gets. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Well, also probably just of her certainty. Because even when Amy's like a painter, she's like, well, this is what I've chosen. I guess I have to be the best at this. Otherwise, I just have to go marry someone for sure. Because that's the only choice for me. <laughs> yeah. God, her Ooh. that Florence Pugh monologue. Ugh. Those Paris dresses? Those Paris dresses were great, but that monologue where she's like, I can't have any money of my own. I can't even have my own name when she's in the middle of painting. And I'm just, where's her Oscar? Where's her Oscar? I feel like Greta really elevated just, these I characters. I just don't <laughs> even know how I can like... Like, I love this movie, but... I love Florence Pugh in this movie, like, most of all. Yeah. Like, she convincingly plays, like, an (laughs) (laughs) eight-year-old. Well, I think... Okay, okay, fine. A 12-year-old. A 12-year-old. We'll we'll go with that. But, like, she does it convincingly. Like, I think about the night when Lori takes, like, Joe and Meg home, and she's just like, Hi, I'm Amy. Or, like, when she plasters her feet so that Lori knows that I have lovely, delicate feet. <laughs> and it's silly. just, she, you, you like, you're like, this is ridiculous. But you understand why she would jump to that Is that conclusion. what it's like, having a little sister? Yes. Oh, God. Um, That's awful. <laughs> I mean, we love how you, wonderful. <laughs> mm. um, and I think that she's, I think she's certainly the most dynamic character in a way like she's the one who i think she has the biggest shift in tone yeah she's she's the one who i think learns and grows the most like yeah she she aspires to be she she like wants to marry well marry rich like from the beginning and she's like maybe not as much of a romantic as meg necessarily but like oh boy definitely is a romantic but by the end of it you you realize that she's maybe given up on that and she's just like dedicated to getting a good match because she's seen what's happened to her sister and she's just like so pragmatic and she's like i have to be the best at what i do i have to do what i have to and she's like not as like she's she's regularly presented as like the most girly of them i think in some ways i guess i feel as, like meg probably was in this one mm, yeah okay i get that I'm, yeah, I, it's hard to, like, dispose of my knowledge of the novel. Yeah. Like. I could see that I know people you. who are, like, deeply into the novel who didn't love this movie so much because well, of the liberties that it took, that the screenplay took, which I think is what. That's why I like it so perfect. much. Yeah. Um, I, 
I, I love it because it's such an interesting and new story. I mean, well, also, I haven't read this since I was, like, 12. Yeah, so. same. But, like, at the, at the same time, like, that's what makes an adaptation interesting to me is it finds a way to tell the story that the other story wasn't telling, you right. know? Like, it finds the story within the story, which I love about this one. Because we don't need to see a straight adaptation. We already saw that with Susan Sarandon and Winona Ryder and Kirsten Dunst. Is it the fact that I remember Susan Sarandon played Marmy? Is it that? No. I'm trying to figure out who played Meg. I can find out for you. Oh, I can oh, Google. Someone I don't think I've ever If you take too long, of. I'm going to start talking about James Norton. because Gabriel Byrne played Friedrich Bear? Trini Alvarado. What? Is that a person's name? That is a person's name. That's kind of rude. She's Puerto Rican. Huh? And half Puerto, half Puerto Rican, half Spanish. Yeah, Trini Alvarado. And she was in this. And other stuff. Hmm. Okay. Yes. All right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, God, Gabriel Byrne played Professor Bear, which is... Mm. Yeah, no wonder I thought the dude was so old. Oh, God. Claire Danes played Beth, which... Yeah, we talked about this already. We, we talked about this when we watched part of Romeo and Juliet, didn't we? Yeah, which is weird to think about. Yeah. Because it's Claire Danes. I don't know. Christian Bale is Laurie, which we already mentioned. <sighs> Let's talk about Meg. Let's talk about Meg. Meg is the oldest sister, the actress in the March Family Theatrical. Um, but she, uh, I mean, she just wants to be a wife. Yeah. Well, she's she she's the one who like goes to the balls and what the de- everyone expects of her. She, and she wants to be that society girl. Yeah. In a way. And then, and she wants to get married into a nice to a nice man and, and have, have nice dresses exactly nice pretty dresses who doesn't want nice dresses though? i felt like her i don't know i don't know if her arc has always felt kind of flat yeah i think so but her arc felt like more flat in this one than normal i think it's just because and this is no offense to emma i i really do like her i think she's great when she works with sofia coppola <laughs> like she was so good in the bling ring like mm-hmm. i think about I want to rob. I think about that like <laughs> once every two weeks at least. But I I just don't think she had enough to do here almost. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like now when she's in scenes with the rest of the family, she's great. Like I think about the scene where they're just all talking over each other when Lori brings them home. I thought that was... Well, I think Great. the one that stands out the most to me is when she's at oh, the, debutante, the ball. debutante ball and Lori completely get like Tears ruins her night. <laughs> by being honest. Yeah. <laughs> because she's put on the dress and she's allowing them to call her Daisy because she's their quaint Yeah, what? Their quaint country friend, you know? Ugh. It's she's so patronized by all the other girls. And it's and he's like, wake up. <laughs> Don't you see? Yeah, exactly. She's like, no. Well, I mean, he's trying to be a friend to her, which is something that Lori is very good at. He's the mm-hmm. best friend these girls have ever had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
He is an honorary March sister. Okay. I Timothy is very good at this because he's he's so skinny. That's why he's good at it. Well, I just think about like how willowy he is and like he's the way shrimp. that he considers how he moves. Like what? I don't know. No, I, I think, I think that's just how he is. I think about the scene when he's standing on top of the chair and he's like, There's a girl out there. And then he gets John to stand up on the chair. Yes. <laughs> oh. I forgot about the trading of the limes. I owe few, <laughs> I owe six limes. Gosh. <laughs> this will wipe out my debt. <laughs> it's. Well, that was a big. Okay. <laughs> this reminds me of when uh, Kirsten Dunst was Amy. <laughs> Yes. And just like the crying and screaming because she got like a she cuz she got hit by the teacher yeah. with a, with like the ruler or whatever. Yeah. I just remember being like way more dramatic in that, in that movie. Yeah, I think I remember the uh, falling through the ice being more dramatic in that movie too. It was dramatic in this one yeah. too. Don't, like no lie. Florence Pugh played it very very well. She played all of it. You watch this and you're like, "Man, 18 18- 1800s, those still dangerous. <laughs> I mean, it's still dangerous now, arguably. Yeah, but everyone knows not to, like, run out into the ice, right? Well, no, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. We shouldn't say that. We haven't grown up around frozen lakes. We wouldn't know. We don't know. I would not, but I'm just a cautious person. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Eliza Scanlon as Beth March. Is that her name? That's her name, mm-hmm. Eliza Scanlon. She's fine. End of end of podcast. I mean, you just don't find Beth that interesting. No, because all she does is go over to the Hummel house, get scarlet fever, and die. No, she also Her has piano playing. That was the... re- I loved that plot line actually. Yeah, the the piano and the relationship with Mr. Lawrence. Yeah. Oh. Oh. No, I loved it. It was devastating at the funeral scene. God. Oh. It's. This is a movie that I will cry during, like, to be honest. And now that we've gotten to Beth, we can talk about what Beth's death facilitates. It brings them all together. That, but we can also talk about the best sequence in the movie. Which is where we have the flashback of Beth getting better. And Joe wakes up and she sees the bed is empty and she's so concerned and she runs down the stairs and she's sees beth sitting at the table smiling with marmy mm-hmm. and then we flash forward immediately uh, like five years like however many years it's been and what was all so bright brightly lit and like lit by sunlight is now dark and dreary and gray and Be- even even the costuming is different like beth is wearing like a lot more like cool and neutral or not Beth, but Joe is wearing like a lot more cool and neutral tones. And she walks down the stairs slowly. And it's all the same camera angles and all the same camera movements and the same shots. And the only difference is that Beth isn't at the table. And Marmee's oh. there crying. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and it leads into the women monologue. You know, like I think after the funeral, you have Joe up in the attic talking to Marmee about what she's missing and like how she hasn't been able to write. And it leads into the women. They have hearts. You know, the, the thing that was the centerpiece of this entire like Oscar campaign, but it cut the part. 
that was most important right at the end of it. You know, like when we saw the Shersha Oscar montage, it was that monologue. And at the very end of it, she says, but I'm so lonely. Oh my God. They cut that. They, they tend to cut that, which is the crux of it. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's like, it, it's, it's weird for me to talk about this as a man. But like, no, I'm I'm enjoying it. You are enjoying <laughs> it. What does it say to you as a woman? Oh, as boy. a woman watching this movie? Seriously, seriously, I know that that monologue devastated me. You know. Um. Well, <laughs> you see, it didn't really devastate me because I'm such an anti-Joe. I think. Right. Where I, like, not not like I hate Joe, but just but like in your, personality. Your personality terms, right? Like I'm willing to bend to like what everyone else wants to do, and like I'm not. Oh, I have to achieve the one great thing that I've decided for myself hey, in life. Huh? Hey, hey, baby. Yeah, I know you're a Joe. No, yeah. is maybe your problem with Beth is that she's too similar to you and she dies. It's disturbing to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> You see, what it got to with me, though, is it's, like, talking about how she has so much that she wants to accomplish, but that, as a result, her personal life, like, I mean, it's, or not even, like, her personal life, like, she still has, at heart, like, this need for a human connection of some sort, you know, and I think that's not just for women, necessarily, like. No, yeah. Like, that's something that I feel a lot of the time you know it's oh and no, I, it's not really a story just about women it's but about I, a like a like the human connection like yeah she wanted to reach other people through her writing exactly and she wanted to prove that like women could also be writers as well like yeah, that was the yeah. thing but i think what makes that scene so good is the fact that she has laura dern to play off of and you have laura dern who well, said yeah. earlier in this movie <laughs> i'm angry every day of oh. my life that and you one. see that the, that one the delivery of that line. Oh my god! Like I was writing a letter recently talking about how I do feel kind of ang- to many how how I do feel like kind of angry just about every day. <laughs> to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and like oh, like in I guess in a similar way that Laura Laura Dern's character is supposed to feel it too because she's she's like the angry side of her husband's like abolitionist tendencies essentially like it's i, don't, I guess that's that's, I that's more text that. in the book but i like, think you yeah honestly the vibes i got from this movie were like i'm so angry because i'm here and there's not a lot i can do because i don't make the money so i can't really like yeah you yeah know? and just the the painstaking of having even like what like five adult children or whatever four what, yeah four adults yeah well wh- they weren't all adults at that point Te- but teeny boppers yes it's uh it's good it's so good boy you know all this talking's made me pretty thirsty do you want to go to the concession stand yeah we can go to the concession stand do you like the dresden files novels tabletop role-playing games improv adventure or butt jokes 
If not, I don't know if we can help you. Hi there, this is Michael, the host and game master for Green Mountain Mysteries, a Dresden Files RPG actual play podcast about four ersatz heroes fighting wizards and monsters in Burlington, Vermont. Come for the grand urban fantasy adventure full of diverse characters. Stay for the many butt jokes. Seriously, one of the players is playing a proctologist. It's just mwah, chef's kiss. You can listen to new episodes of Green Mountain Mysteries every Wednesday on the Pocket Podcast Network or wherever fine podcasts are sold. What's that? What's that? What am I hearing? Huh? Wait. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've gotten word in my headset that it's time for a fashion corner. Baby, those are headphones. Listen, it's time for the fashion corner. It's time okay. to talk about Timothée Chalamet's bird-like body and That's... the floofy shirts that are put on okay. on him. I was gonna say you have to talk about the clothing and the and the wingtip collar and at the New Year's party where he walks in with the French girls after standing up Amy at the hotel and he's incredibly drunk. It says Fred Vaughn, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's just <sighs> to mood. The scarf that he's still wearing that belonged to Joe. Oh. The way... I didn't catch that. The ring... I think... I don't know if it's that scene, but he wears a scarf that belonged to Joe or that Joe... I think in a couple of scenes, he wears the ring that Joe gave him in Paris. Joe gave him a ring? Yes. Oh, no. Which is why what happened later That's on, confusing. Yeah, it was so confusing. You can't get people jewelry and, and then And Amy insults them. him for wearing that, the I ring mean. at the New Year's party. And it's, oh, oh. Amy's dress is in Paris, we have discussed. Oh, so good. All the all the dresses are pretty damn good. Like I especially like the one where it's like a little cape, but it's like um. I don't know how else to like china porcelain no yeah no the, it's uh, definitely influenced the like by the that. like flowers and stuff yeah like, oh well there's one that's just like white and blue yeah exactly yeah. oh and then i mean meg's dresses were good yeah i mean i i loved the way this movie looked like it's yeah so it visually so interesting yeah for something that takes predominantly like in the winter i would say absolutely and like even the the New York scenes, like all the streetwear of everybody, like on the street as Joe's like running back home, mm-hmm. like oh, it's really good. And I don't know if this counts as fashion, but the book plating scene, yes, just mm-hmm. how visually stimulating that yeah. was, and like it was like how it's made levels yeah. <laughs> of like artistic industrial photography, uh-huh. <laughs> like. And the gold leaf when they blush, brush it off. And oh, it re- yeah. <sighs> like, that's some nerd stuff right there. Visually Greta. very appealing. Like, I, I've already talked about, like, the way that she uses the camera and the, the way that shots are set up to, like, parallel the structure between the frame narrative and the main narrative. And it's, oh, it's so pretty. And everyone is shot so pretty. We didn't talk about Meg's husband. Oh. He's so good looking. I mean, if you're into that. He's got a strong jaw. A very strong jaw, I will say. And he was he was very good. Very handsome and very good. 
Not much of a prospect, though. Wait, but you thought he was going to be, like, mean to her for a second when she spends too much money. And he's, he's just like, like, we'll make no. it work. I mean, like, we love each other. I know. And no, that's... no reason to fight. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, their relationship is good. It's cute. Even if they're poor. Huh. Okay. With that in mind. Time to rate. Mm-hmm. Rating it out of burned off curls. Oh, God. <laughs> boy, we didn't even talk about, like, all the, like, stereotypical, like, sister things like that. Yes. Oh, and when Amy scene. burns the... The... Oh. <gasps> well, you see, it's it's so weird to, like, go over things that are just plot points from the novel to me. Because I'm like... Everyone knows, yeah. and I'm realizing well, not, know, everyone not everyone does, but... but the way that, the way in particular that it's framed, because it's intercut between the ball, and you have Florence Pugh <laughs> serving, frankly, what I think of as Midsummer face, <laughs> to go and grab the notes and burn them, like, oh... Now, that's oh. one reason I wasn't upset that I didn't have a sister when I was growing up. I, I watched this movie, and I was like... Uh, if that's what it is, no thank you. <laughs> or I think... Oh, oh, and uh, my favorite joke in the movie, too, which is when Joe sells her hair, and then Amy's like, Joe, you're one beauty! <laughs> <laughs> Such a good one-liner. <laughs> I want to say that's straight from the book. It, I think it might be. Yeah. Amy, but Florence Pugh's delivery is straight from Florence so Pugh. So good. Ugh. I, I love this movie, and I give it 4.5 out of 5 burned off curls. Whoa! Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think it deserved way more awards than it got last year. I think Whoa. I think Greta should have been in the running for Best Director. The yes, fact that she no, wasn't, that's was an absolute sexism. travesty. Like, ugh. No, no, we're going we're gonna to say what it is. Yes. What do you give it? Four point oh. You were gonna give it a four point five, weren't you? No, I really wasn't. Really? Yeah. Four point oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that does it, don't it? That do do it. You're not gonna like the next movie that we're supposed to cover. So let's just not. Uh, oh, I want to, though. I really do want to. Because who doesn't love a Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt sci-fi action time travel romp? It's a live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow. No, that's not, that's not the name of the movie. Live, die, repeat. I thought I had, like, a complete... Edge of... T- it ha- okay, this is a complex <laughs> movie. And I'm just saying, I'm just letting you know, the reason it got moved to the L's is because you didn't want to cover it under the E's. <laughs> Let's so move you, it back to the E's. you brought this onto yourself. <laughs> it was marketed as Edge of Tomorrow in America with the tagline Live Die Repeat. Every time you it was say marketed the title as Live Die Repeat I think everywhere of, that wasn't America. I think of Die Another Day <laughs> for some reason. Oh, do you want to watch a Pierce Brosnan Bond movie instead? Well, that's what the Madonna song's for, right? Oh yeah, it was Die Another Day, wasn't it? That's the one Halle Berry. That's the one Halle Berry's in. I think. <gasps> Let's watch that instead. No, next time oh. we are on this on your podcast feeds, 
It will be Bummer. for live, die, repeat. Don't even bother. And I will be very excited for it because it is such a good Tom Cruise movie. Boo. Right, my my good friend Mary has a has like a a theorem of Tom Cruise movies, which the best Tom Cruise movies are the one where he is way in over his head and doesn't know what's actually going on. All of them. Not all of them, because Mission Impossible, he's like hyper competent, and sure. even if he doesn't really know what's going on, he's still really. He always looks like he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, which I guess in Fallout, he doesn't quite know what's going on all the time. Oh, by the way, I ordered that today because it was only like five ninety nine on Amazon. Mission Impossible Fallout. Have I seen that? Yeah, it's the one where Henry Cavill cocks his fists. I don't think I've seen. You've that. seen that one. It's Henry. It's it's Henry Cavill. And and Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill's the CIA. Sorry, guy. there's only thing two things that Henry Cavill has been in: The Witcher, and Man of Steel. No, and Man from Uncle. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Batman versus uh, Enola Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we're a part of the Pocket Podcast Network. Other shows include Sorted, No Dice. The Ghoul Tank. Green Mountain Mysteries. And many more. Check them all out on pocketpodcastnetwork.com. Because you can put them in your pocket. Yes, quality programming right to your pocket. That one. Exactly. Our theme music is by The Organ Machines. Yay. It's Oil Waves off of their EP Parallels. Definitely check out their album that they released earlier this year. What? What? What Lies Within. That was in 2020. That was 2020? It, I think it was technically I 2020. I don't think so. It might not have been. I might be tracking time wrong. But Time's not real. Time isn't real. Only movies are real. So don't buy... Anymore. DVD. It's never how you knew it. Nobody was sad at that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying I never saw the Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket